If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 210 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on February 25th, 2024. Holy crap! Holy crap is right, Frank Barone! March already? At the end of the week? My goodness. Frank Barone from Everybody Loves Raymond, my friends. Hot start to the show. I echo his sentiment. You had to know that you were going to find me in this mood today, given the circumstances. Folks! The World Series ended what feels like about three minutes ago. And then, as always, we blinked and it begins. Season number six, that's right, six of Yankees baseball coverage on Yapping Yankees with the start of spring training, reporting dates, workouts, God-tier content out of the boys, especially Tommy Canely, every single day across social media. Surely you've seen me endlessly post about it, whether it be on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you look does not matter. Getting themselves ready, having a blast with each other, even more so than they have in years, might I add, from what I've seen. At least that's how I, how it feels. And as of yesterday, even the games have begun. Yes. Is there anything even more worthy of an applause than that? <laughs> and to put it beyond mildly, games have begun with a vengeance. <laughs> Yankees coming out bats blazing. Exhibition or not, we love to see that. But with all these things, it also serves as another great reminder that the season of spring itself, the ultimate symbol of baseball season truly returning, is going to be here before we know it, baby. (sighs) Easily one of my absolute favorite times, if not my absolute favorite of the entire calendar year, baseball returning. Yeah, Christmas time is pretty great. Absolutely. But this, for me, baseball coming to me, to us, after months of nothingness, is really the most wonderful time of the year. You know what else is wonderful? Got another announcement as a reminder to you. I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago on the last episode, I believe. But with games officially having started, this goes hand in hand with another announcement pertaining to this show itself. This now marks, as it does every year, at least as of the last couple of years since I started doing the off-season bi-weekly format, but now this officially marks, with games having officially begun, even if it is just spring training games, Yapping Yankees returning to its usual weekly format. <laughs> sure, another applause. <laughs> oh, I know everybody's happy about that. So obviously... I mean, it's all good stuff today, guys. 
I'm just in bliss, in case you can't tell. How are you doing this evening? Yeah, tomorrow's Monday. It sucks, I know. At least if you're listening to this upon its release on Sunday night. But hey, we got baseball back, so who gives a crap? (laughs) Right? Who cares? Nothing is wrong. Baseball is back. So why don't we not waste any more time and just get to talking about it already? Yeah, Mike, no one cares about your monologues. All right, all right. Now, I usually do a special kind of episode around this time of the year when spring training games begin to officially usher in the imminent new baseball season. And it has come time for it once again. Done it for uh, maybe the last couple of years now. And the time has come yet again. And that would be for... Hot takes and predictions. Thank you for that drum roll. That was epic. One of my favorite things to do. On the show. Like I said, just amongst my favorite times, if not my absolute favorite throughout the year. So much fun, energetic, awesome stuff going on with baseball. Finally being back after months of nothing, being on the TV, pertaining to it. Except if you were to turn on like Yankeeography or Yankees Classics or something like that, which does happen. But otherwise, nothing in real time, no live action baseball going on. And now it's finally back. And we'll be doing all of that with the predictions and hot takes later on for the social media segment, firing off all of those thoughts that you have pertaining to the imminent 2024 season. And yes, it can be influenced at least a little bit from what we've seen from spring training so far, however little. It is entirely up to you. There are no rules here. First off, though, why don't we start with those games? Sure, they don't count. They're exhibitions. They're meaningless. Who cares? The scores don't matter. Yeah, I know. Leave me alone, all right? Let me enjoy the first bit of baseball that I got back for the first time in months. I even just got done talking to somebody who was like, oh my God, why do you care about spring training? I don't care about the score or the result of it, but my God, someone who loves baseball as much as I do, especially people who know me well in real life, wouldn't you think that I am starving after months of nothing and that I'm looking to just get my hands on anything and everything having to do with baseball for the love of God? How is that even a question? Do you know me at all? (laughs) One has to ask. Good Lord. I just want to see the boys out there doing their thing and little, you know, scoring updates and individual performances throughout each game. I'm into it. It's the first baseball I got in months. I always hear people talking about potentially shortening spring training, and yeah, that's a discussion to be had, I guess. But also, it's important, especially for pitchers, to have their proper time to ramp up and get ready for the long season ahead of them. I mean, pitchers already have enough trouble staying healthy as it is, right? So, I guess there's an argument to be made for that, especially for position players and whatnot. But for the pitchers, it's important. But for people that come to me with that sort of a thing and be like, oh my God, why why are you so excited for spring training? It doesn't count. Are you kidding me? Do you know who you are speaking to? <laughs> but just let me enjoy my first bit of baseball. Are you freaking kidding me? Especially what happened in today's first televised Yankee game. Did you happen to see? Well, I'll give you a little hint as to what I'm talking about. Audio and compliments of the S Network, of course. Ground ball to second in the first, a walk, and a run scored in the third. That one is hit to deep left center field. That ball is gone off the scoreboard. A three-run home run for Juan Soto, and the Yankees lead 7-1. I don't care if it doesn't matter. It matters to me. 
glorious bomb to left center field for our newest generational stud, Mr. Juan Soto, who we all know I've been absolutely overjoyed to have ever since the moment the trade went down. I had been saying for months and months prior that bro belongs here, and look at how beautiful he looks in those Yankee pinstripes and that beautiful swing, home ring in his first Yankee spring training game. Doesn't matter results-wise, but it matters to me for the sake of having a great time and seeing Juan Soto in a Yankee uniform, for the love of God. You know that had me acting up today. <laughs> Been an action-packed last couple of days, though, with these games. Yesterday's first game with that monster score, similar to today's game at George M. Steinbrenner with Juan Soto's home run and all. And they had a split squad today, although the other game wasn't a fraction as exciting as either of the first two. But, hey, it's baseball. I'm happy. What can I tell you? Yesterday's game, though, starting off with that, lots of fun. Figure we just go over the overarching details and the fun stuff that everyone wants to hear about. We're certainly not going to go in-depth into these games. After all, they do not count, so everyone only cares so much. But starting yesterday's game, at the very least, obviously in each spring training game, see a boatload of pitchers because a bunch of them are sent out there to get their work in. And the starters don't go deep at all, at least not until the very end of spring training when the starters are actually going for real. And they'll go five, six innings around that. But especially at the very beginning, when non-starters are starting games especially, yeah, they don't go very deep. So it's just a matter of going out there and working on your stuff. Maybe working on stuff you don't get to do during the season. Maybe some stuff you want to add to your arsenal. Well, spring training's the time to do it with your coaches and out there starting the game since they do not count. But Luis Heal actually got the start in yesterday's monstrosity scoring of a game. And he allowed two runs in two innings. Not great, but it's whatever. We also saw the likes of Nick Ramirez and Clayton Beater. So we saw some names out there pitching-wise. A lot of runs were given up. They gave up 10 runs to the Tigers, but the Yankees scored even far more than that. For the love of God, you know who hit the first home run of spring training? Speaking of Juan Soto hitting a home run, well, how about the guy that came along in the trade with him from San Diego to New York, Mr. Trent Grisham? Expected to be solid depth for the outfield and uh, playing a decent role for center field and possibly any other positions he could play in the outfield this year. Subbing in late, whatnot. And not known for his... Impact with the bat, well, he made his impact known this time around in the second inning of yesterday's spring training game with a three-run shot. Boy, did he smack the crap out of that ball. My goodness. So, in style, put the Yankees on the board up 3-0. And Luis Torrens got an RBI single after that. Oscar Gonzalez RBI double. Anthony Volpe, who also started off the game with a hit. It's good to see him doing his thing. He got an RBI ground out later on, making it 6-2 at the time. Then Torrens again... Solo shot, made it 7-2. Now, Vivas right here. It's interesting because I saw a tweet from my boy Brian Hoke, who I'm not sure if I mentioned on the show, but Brian Hoke followed me back on Twitter. I'm pretty sure I mentioned that. But uh, my boy Brian, I love Hoke, love him to death. He actually put up a pronunciation tweet for Vivas's name. I'm not sure if it was to be funny or if it was a legitimate thing. It's probably legitimate. But I think it's... I pronounced it as Your Beat Vivas, which I'm pretty sure everybody did when he was first acquired from the Dodgers, and um, pretty sure Brian said it was Jor, Jor Beat Bebus, I think. So if that's the pronunciation, then that's the pronunciation, but whatever it is, hit a home run. I'll get further confirmation of that as we go along, because it's so early on yet, and so much happened in yesterday's game. But he hit a solo shot himself, which is great to see. 
First game immediately after the trade with the Dodgers, awesome stuff. He was one that came over when Trey Sweeney went there, when the Dodgers were trying to open up some spots on their roster. Wouldn't be the first time the Yankees and Dodgers did that this past offseason. But in any event, you know who else made an impact yesterday going 3-for-3 three three with this tank job of a home run too? Mr. Spencer Jones, the Yankees' number one prospect. Now, I'm not putting stock in a spring training game, that's for sure, especially when Bro has not seen too much even past double-A. Well, nothing past double-A at all. Not even too much of double-A as it is as of yet. But, my God, in yesterday's game, dude hit a 470-foot home run. 470! All 6-6 six, six of them. <laughs> Good Lord. Obviously, lefty hitting, lefty throwing, outfield stud in the minor league system for the Yankees. Us Yankee fans expecting him to make an impact in the big leagues in the coming years, obviously, especially if worse comes to worse and the Yankees don't bring back Juan Soto and what have you, then you'll definitely be in, be seeing Spencer hopefully soon, 22 years old already, hoping that his ascension through the minor leagues happens sooner rather than later. Of course, right now there's really no room for him. Where would he play? Begs the question. Everybody's always talking about moving everybody to first base all the time, but who knows? But in any event, aside from all the side discussion when it comes to him, my God, what a tank job of a home run. <laughs> so that was awesome to see. Went three for three otherwise. Great to see that. Just a lot of scoring back and forth. Jeter Downs also played in yesterday's game. Got an RBI walk in the top of the seventh. Made it 10-6 to six at the time. Then he would later hit an RBI double in the top of the eighth. It was 14-6 to at the time. That was after Elijah Dunham and Spencer Jones with another RBI single. Added on runs of their own before that. And Ben Rice and Spencer Jones again with another RBI single in the top of the ninth. Jose Rojas, Ben Rice again, a wild pitch into there. Caleb Durbin, a little sprinkling of everything into there. 22 runs when all is said and done. <laughs> so that was yesterday's game, big win. And in today's game... Against the Blue Jays, this was the first game that was televised for the Yankees this spring, only the second game. It was at George M. Steinbrenner Field. This is the game where the clip I just played you before took place. Juan Soto hitting his three-run tank job the opposite way into left center. Love to see that. Otherwise, top of the first, Aaron Judge also got an RBI single. Glaber Torres with an RBI ground out. Expecting big things from Glaber again in 2024. Anthony Rizzo with an RBI ground out, Glaber with a sack fly, all that in the bottom of the third, that made it 4-1 at the time, then you had Juan Soto's tank job to make it 7-1, another Luis Torrens home run, made it 8-1, Caleb Durbin on an RBI fielder's choice, but it was a fielding error there by Leo Jimenez as well, so that made it 10-1, and the Blue Jays put up a bunch of runs up, and then George Lombard Jr., Got a two-run shot of his own in the bottom of the eighth to make it 12-6, to and that was the final. So the Yankees piling on to the Blue Jays in this game, made them 2-0, and especially because that game finished before, I believe, the other game in the split squad today against the Phillies on the road. Wasn't, again, as I said, a fraction as exciting as either of the first two that I've spoken to you about just now. But Rodon also started this game at George M. Steinbrenner. He did all right. He, uh... Went two and two-thirds, so nearly three innings. Struck out five, and he only gave up one run, and that was on a solo shot by Alejandro Kirk in the top of the third. But otherwise, Rodon looked okay. He loaded the bases at one point, but got out of it. 
So, fastball is hitting pretty good velocities. Definitely was much better already than last spring. If you remember last spring in his first start, well, that's all it took for him to get hurt, and we didn't see him until the middle of the friggin' season, and he was awful for the rest of the way out at that point, but all it took was him getting, I believe, one out in his first start last spring, and we all noticed how much lower his velocity was and whatnot, and it resulted in him getting badly injured with that forearm problem, and then it was later revealed that he had the chronic back issues, and then there was an issue with his leg at one point, so we all know the travesty of 2023 Carlos Rodon. We do not have to recap. I do not want to recap. So, needless to say, that even if he did give up the home run, two and two-thirds, just one run allowed, and otherwise striking out five and looking fine otherwise, he did walk two, but other than that, already off to a much better start than last year, which it's hard to surpass that, but in any event... Still looking much better. You also had a number of recognizable guys appearing in the game today. You had Masevich. You know, they got him back after a wild adventure with him this past offseason. Luke Weaver also pitched. Two scoreless innings, only allowing one hit, so that's nice. But other than that, 12-6 to W there. And the other game against the Phillies in Clearwater, I believe, well... The only thing of note, really, in this one was that Marcus Stroman started the game because, well, the offense, you had guys in there, names of Oswald Peraza and Austin Wells and Oswaldo Cabrera. Pereira was in the game. Greg Allen was in the game. As a matter of fact, he was the only one to get a hit the entire day. (laughs) So Greg Allen, who obviously returned to the Yankees, but otherwise, the offense literally did nothing. One hit the entire afternoon. That one hit by Greg Allen again. And Stroman... Today was a really exciting day for most people because we know that in the split squad, we're going to have Rodon and Stroman starting. Well, Rodon was pretty decent. Stroman, on the other hand, got uh, kind of shelled <laughs> a little bit, especially in the second inning. That's really when the damage happened. Four hits, three runs, two of them earned, one walk and two strikeouts, two and a third innings. But the inning obviously continued after he was taken out of the game. Matt Keating came in to replace him, and there was a fielding error by Oswald Peraza, which did not help anything. That's where the unearned run comes into play when Christian Pache came home to score. So, other than that, Stroman having a hard time. There's really nothing worth a note for the second game of that, and that's really all we have for spring training so far. Guys, it's been three games. Two out of the three have been pretty phenomenal, especially offensively. So, all good stuff. Certainly having a lot of fun. Early on here, obviously, you have the Soto home run. And you have Spencer Jones having a really good first two games for himself so far that he's played in. So that's really exciting, just the offense going nuts. We love to see that. And we just love having baseball back. What can I tell you? And we got a whole bunch more of it this week. And it's surreal after so many months of having it. And then you start getting those notifications from the MLB app on your phone again. Like, oh, Yankees and Tigers about to start. Yankees and Blue Jays about to start. You get notified of the pitching changes, the scoring changes, and just everything. After months of nothing. It's just so wonderful to see it back on your phone again. That's all I can really say. I'm so happy that baseball's back. Just two weeks ago. When I did the last episode with you guys, I was just dying of anticipation for baseball to return. And here we are now, the actual weekend of it coming back, and just being beside myself that it is back. <laughs> just can't believe it. Like, yeah, I suffer for months every off season without it. 
It's really painful to try to get through the winter. But at the same time, and yeah, I have my stuff to keep me occupied, but at the same time, baseball is like my love, man. It's just everything. But then when it comes back, I'm like, you know what? Still feels like the World Series just ended and I wasn't even without it for that long. So when you're going through the time when it's not around, it's much more painful. And then when it comes, when it actually comes back, you're like, oh my goodness. Actually didn't feel that long. But regardless, just for your information, as far as what's coming up for the rest of the week when it comes to Yankees baseball, in case you're looking to tune in, I'm going to have to be dropping in and checking and listening on the radio whenever I can and whatnot, maybe even firing up the Yes app. I'm going to have to take some peeks in during work because, as we know, the vast majority of spring training games happen during the day. There are not many night games at all, and some of those are not even televised. So I'm still of the elk that wants spring training games to be televised all the time. You know, we're getting baseball back for the first time in months, and I want to see it. I know it doesn't count, so it's not always worth worth it for teams to get the TV crew out there and get all set up and put in the money that it takes to get the crew set up and broadcast the games and whatnot. I understand, but I still want to see it. <laughs> Can't tell me a lot of fans wouldn't want to, especially the ones who are as psycho about baseball as I am. So I'm always going to be of the group that wants that, but I know that's probably never going to happen. But in any event, I know that tomorrow's game will be on Yes. And I'm happy about that. Tomorrow afternoon's game at 105 Eastern against the Twins. At George M. Steinbrenner, it even says right now that the game will be on Yes. So if you're around and you can watch it at 1, do so. Nestor Cortez is getting the start tomorrow. Looking really forward to seeing what my boy Nestor does, as we know, too. I'm really into that after his disastrous 2023 with injuries and regression and whatnot. Can't wait to see what happens. On Tuesday, the 27th, got another game at 105 against Tampa, but it's at Tampa's complex at Port Charlotte. So it will not be televised, and it does not look like it's going to be on radio either. But Clark Schmidt's getting that start, so I'll be tuning into that whenever I can, just jumping in. Wednesday, the Yankees actually don't have any games. They have the day off. Then Thursday, they return to George M. Steinbrenner to face the Miami Marlins. And it does say that the game will be on the Yes app. So if that's the case, and you don't have the Yes app, well then download it if you want to tune in. I was having a lot of problems with the Yes app when it first came out, and I did complain about it on the show plenty, and also on social media, but I seem to have found a good relationship with it now. So I'll probably be jumping into that as well. Speaking of night games, here's actually one 6.30 at night, 6.35 Eastern. So there you go, I'll be able to watch that. Is your first night game of spring training. And then another night game right after that on Friday. My God, you're really making me look like an idiot, aren't you, Major League Baseball? This usually doesn't happen. There are not many night games at all spread throughout the entire spring schedule, usually. Much nonetheless, right after. One right after the other. That is very unusual. But another 635 game at George M. Steinbrenner Friday night against the Blue Jays again. Garrett Coles will be pitching. I'll be watching that night, March the 1st. And then Saturday, March 2nd, 105 Eastern at the Orioles camp in Sarasota. And it actually says that that game will be available on the Yes app again, so I'll be tuning in on that. That's really cool, so I'll be able to watch that even though it's a road game. Hardly any road games are usually available on TV at any capacity, but that's pretty cool. And then Sunday when we speak again on March 3rd, that's right, baby, back to weekly. On Sunday, back at George M. Steinbrenner against the Tigers. This game will be on yes, so I might do my episode next Sunday 
during the game. Hang out with you guys and record Yapping Yankees while the game's going on. Why the hell not, right? So that's what's going forward this next week. In case you guys want to tune into any Yankee spring training baseball, my friends, that's the deal. And then so on and so forth until the regular season begins. Oh, my God. It's actually so close. I can't believe it. Oh, my God. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. It's crazy. Like, almost no matter what else is going on in life, almost nothing can take me down if it happens around the time that baseball returns. <laughs> That's the one stipulation. Ah, oh, just overjoyed. So that's what's happened so far. Just three games, but two out of the three. Extremely exciting so far. But some notes around camp, too. Some things that got me really psyched. Aside from all the content with Tommy Canely and whatnot, Tommy, it is so great to see him back in camp acting like an absolute buffoon again. I absolutely love it. Gives me life, honestly. Injects life into my veins. And I feel an increase in my life essence. I crap you not. So... That's been very fun to watch. Seeing everybody's joking around with each other, hanging out, working out, getting ready, having a blast while doing so. And also, just seeing some of the changes that have gone on. First first off, like I said before, I'm talking about Juan Soto. This man, and I tweeted this, this man looks as if he were born to put on the Yankee pinstripes. This guy looks awesome. Awesome. Bro was born to wear this friggin' uniform. I love how he looks in it. He looks to be having a blast, even though he's probably still getting to know everybody, give or take. But it is just <laughs> better than I even imagined already having him. And we haven't even played a meaningful baseball game yet. <laughs> it is just so great. So awesome seeing him in camp, hitting the shuffle during batting practice, the Soto shuffle. Seeing him hit a home run in his first spring training game. Oh, God. It is so awesome. Quite possibly, though, the biggest note that I have to talk about, and a lot of you probably already know who it is, just by context and knowing how much I have stood up for the guy and how much I like him, even though I'm greatly disappointed in him after 2023. But... Just knowing how much I tend to stand up for him, how much I want to defend him, and even though he even ticks me off sometimes, and how much even I was wishing that he would change something up in order to change the dynamic and be able to get out there and stay out there, most importantly, and how much I love how he holds himself accountable and just does not BS with any statement he makes, either to his teammates or his team overall or to the media, us in the public. The biggest note, in my opinion, to come out of spring training, even aside from everything else, all the fun and whatnot, the biggest note to come out of spring training is Mr. Giancarlo Stanton. Have you seen pictures of this guy since he's reported? If you have not, make your way to the internet as soon as you possibly can and look up photographs, photographs, what am I, out of the 1950s, photographs of him upon showing up to camp in 2024. Bro has completely morphed. I, I, don't, I didn't even know what to say. As a matter of fact, when I saw the first photo of him standing next to Aaron Judge, the first picture that came out of Stanton, he was standing next to Aaron Judge, might have been the camera angle, and you know, cameras, 
depending on the angle, the lighting, and a bunch of other factors in, in picture taking, could definitely make someone appear differently than they actually are in person. And this might have had a play in it, but the first photo that Stanton appeared in was a picture next to Aaron Judge. And he and Aaron Judge are usually the behemoths next to each other, damn near identical in height. Judge standing at 6'7", Stanton at 6'6". Stanton in the 240s before in weight, give or take. A lot of that just pure muscle and strength and brute freaking shreddedness, honestly. (laughs) And Judge always hovering between like 270, 285 maybe. His official weight was always like 282 for the most part. But that was not the case upon Stanton arriving to camp. Because Stanton looked like he had even shrunk about an inch or two. But the biggest difference was obviously his change in size. Not height. Size. Weight. Physical appearance overall. He is completely lean. You could tell probably shredded down to the bone without a shirt on. His size, his humongous, remarkable torso size that had us believing that he was just chiseled out of a Greek statue at birth, that's gone. <laughs> like It's actually crazy. You want to talk about hearing rumors throughout the entire offseason about somebody making changes to their body. No, man. We never imagined changes of this kind of... <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. You just got to look up the picture. If Yapping Yankees were a visual show, I'd just pop up a photo for you right now and show it to the camera. But my goodness, he has lost so much weight. All of the remarkable muscle, it's probably still under there, just more lean and shredded down, but as far as the size, where he looked like Superman, bro, that's all gone. To say that he slimmed down and put in the work in the offseason... Understatement of the millennium. And I gotta say, I appreciate the hell out of it. This is a massive difference. I'm not just playing it up because I like Stanton or what have you. You think I'm being subjective or biased? That's not it at all. If you have not seen a picture of him, then you gotta take a look and see for yourself that I am not over-exaggerating with the changes of how he looks from all the years of the past. He looks like he's like 19 again, body-wise. I can't believe it. And they showed clips of him moving around in the outfield and making the dive for a ball, even with Jess. When I saw him making a dive, especially in just practice where it doesn't have any meaning and knowing his injury history, yeah, my heart kind of dropped to my right big toe. Yeah, it definitely did. But then when he got up and it was apparent that he was more than fine, I was like, holy crap, look at how he's moving. Look how he's sliding. Look look how much more mobile he is. There is a difference. I'm not over-exaggerating. There is a difference. And listen, I know a lot of people could have said, oh, why couldn't he make this change sooner and it took this long? Listen, better late than never, and he made the change. You got to appreciate when someone puts this kind of work in. This ain't just losing a few pounds, guys. He looks like a different person. You got to understand something. And if you haven't seen the picture yourself yet, then... Maybe you'll have a similar reaction at first. But when this picture first popped up on my timeline, 
him and Judge next to each other. They're both smiling, probably both talking or maybe talking to somebody else off camera, whatever the case was. I didn't even recognize him. <laughs> when I saw the picture, I had to zoom in. I think it was actually on Instagram that I saw it first. I had to take my fingers and zoom in to the picture. Judge was on the left, Stanton was on the right. I was like, who, wait a minute. Who is that? I was like, that, that's Stanton? I even showed my mom. I showed my brother for a second. I showed her, I showed Victoria, my girlfriend. Everybody at first was like, wait a minute. Wh- zoom in real quick. Nobody even recognized him. <laughs> like, yeah, the only recognizing factor is probably the face, but body-wise, you take the face out of it and you just look at his body. Stanton is the last person you'd guess that it was. <laughs> like, I can't believe it. So listen, I don't know if it was changing the workout routine, changing the diet, changing the lifestyle, maybe a little bit of everything, incorporating new things, whatever it was, it's hard to go through that kind of radical change in that little of an amount of time, guys, only in like a handful of months. Change that radical and severe takes time. And to say dedication is disrespect. It's beyond dedication. I don't care if you're not impressed because you say, oh, he gets paid the money that he does. He gets paid to do this. It's his job. That's still hard to do. (laughs) To that scale, I don't think you understand unless you've actually done it yourself before. It is wild. So Giancarlo, in efforts to be more mobile, more durable, staying on the field as much as possible, maybe even fighting to play in the outfield whenever you can again or whenever the Yankees need you to or whenever you want to, being an option out there again, just wanting to be just out there more. Credit to you, man, because wow. <laughs> That's all I can say. I am astounded, flabbergasted by this man's change. Like Again, I didn't even recognize him. I did not recognize him for about two seconds. Crazy. Just look at the player photos they took a few days after they showed up. They already had their players' photo day. I posted those all over the place, too, out of my hype. But even look at Stanton's photo. Just look at his face. His face structure changed. He's much more chiseled. His jawline is much more highlighted now. Good God. (laughs) I'm just... I was speechless. I still am speechless, as you could probably hear as I'm talking about it. I... I can't even really rub the words together to talk about how shocked I am. Crazy. So Stanton, in my opinion, is the biggest note out of camp so far, aside from Juan Soto showing up. And I know a lot. there's a lot of excitement around Marcus Stroman because of all the awesome content he's had with him and his teammates. Like he was hugging Austin Wells. They were telling each other how glad they are to be on each other's teams and whatnot. Stroman being around all happy, wearing the jersey before anybody else even was, even in just practice or BP. Like... A lot of people are just talking about how awesome the feels are around camp, and I don't like to use this word a lot, but I have to here because it's valid. But the vibes, they're just awesome. Like I said before, they're just... It seems like they're gelling together and meshing together and having more fun together than they have in a long time. I know it could be considered a minor or insignificant factor to a lot of people, or maybe it's just me imagining it. Maybe some people are just seeing it as another spring training. It's whatever. They're, they usually always have fun. It's, it is what it is. But I don't know. This has a different feeling to it. I don't know. This doesn't mean that I don't have my concern with the pitching anymore, because I still do. But 
surely has me feeling confident and happy with how this team is coming together. I'm excited, man. I'm really excited. Even more so than just my general excitement over the Yankees and baseball in general being back, but I am I'm optimistic right now. I really am. I usually always am this time of year. It's hard not to be, but this just has a different feel to it, man. The, the way the guys are around each other this year, I don't know. has a different feel to me. I like it. So, between all the awesome content, that's really the main thing. Stanton's got to be the biggest note. Stroman and Soto, obviously, and Trent Grisham even, and all the new acquisitions, all the depth pieces that they acquired throughout the offseason, all the roster shifting that they did with the waiver claims and the DFAing and the outrighting to AAA, all the roster invites and or the non-roster invites even, just everybody being around. You're getting to see some of the hopeful pitching depth pieces that a lot of people are nervous about because, you know, we know how much pitching depth the Yankees gave up this offseason for the Soto trade and whatnot. And so you got to see guys like Luke Weaver and Luis Heal and Clayton Beater pitch already. A few other guys that could be a part of that whole deal. So we'll continue to see it as the spring goes along. I still have my pitching concerns. I still feel like the Yankees need just one more solid starter, as we know. Obviously, Montgomery's still out there. You have Snell still out there. It's still so crazy that we are just days away from March being here and the NL Cy Young Award winner is not employed. It's just remarkable to me. The stubbornness is is incredible. Incredible. Anyway, just fun stuff, guys. It's camp. It's camp. That's what it is every year. The excitement. Happiness over the games going on, especially when the fun crap has happened like it has in the first couple of days here. Just so happy. I'm so happy. I can't say it enough. I'm I'm beaming. <laughs> All right, but really the last couple of things to do today. Obviously, we have Yankees news. There is more news to talk about these last couple of weeks, particularly in the week before this one, because in this past week, it was mainly just preparing for the spring training games and whatnot. Really not too much happened. With the Yankees news in particular, there's a couple of things in Major League Baseball news altogether that I'll just address really quickly after Yankees news, but a lot of the news from these past couple of weeks came from the week before this past one. So let's get to it, talk about a couple of things. Some more roster shifting going on. Starting on Tuesday, the 13th, more waiver claiming. This has been a big story the last couple episodes from this last month plus, but another waiver claim for the Yankees, and we have seen him in games already. Infielder Jordan Groshans claimed off waivers from the Marlins, and in turn, the Yankees actually DFA'd Matt Crook. And there's more to talk about with Crook in a bit, but a little bit on Groshans for people who don't know much about him. He's 24 years old, played at the corner infield spots last season with AAA Jacksonville, 77 appearances at third base and 41 at first base, so the corner infield positions. And they say he's likely to begin 2024 with AAA as well with the Yankees. And speaking of AAA, at least in 2023, just some stats for you regarding Groshans. He batted 243 with 20 doubles, a triple, six home runs, 60 RBIs, and 66 walks in 125 AAA games in 2023. And when it comes to Major League experience, he did appear in just 17 games with the Marlins in 2022, starting every game at third base. So primarily a third baseman, if you had to say, but if need be, a first baseman as well. Could be just a good depth piece 
in the minors if the Yankees ever have to emergency call up for an infielder. He'll be there amongst others, I imagine. But speaking of the other part of this move when it comes to Matt Crook, last Sunday, a week ago, since no one had claimed him after DFAing, Yankees were still holding on to him, Crook was traded to the Orioles in exchange for cash considerations. So division rivals dealing with each other, minor thing. But the cash considerations thing was pretty interesting because it had some people talking about whether or not that may be used for Blake Snell, given all the rumors that were swirling that day in particular that he and Boris were expected to be lowering the potential asking price, like we'd spoken about a couple of weeks ago, could be possible eventually just to at least get his damn client signed, maybe. Bro just won a Cy Young Award, and he's unemployed with March just days away now. But obviously we know nothing has come of that, and there's been a lot of intense discussion that I did not really take part in because I wanted to see it before I believed it. It's a good thing I took that approach because it turned out to be a big nothing burger. But there's a lot of talk swirling around that time, especially since the Yankees were still the only ones to have offered, reportedly, Snell any sort of an offer. But... There's a lot of discussion going on that the Yankees were talking to him and that the price was going to come down and he was going to fall into their laps like a lot of us had hoped. Even if it was for what the Yankees originally offered, I believe their original offer was five or six years, $150 million, And nothing really happened. <laughs> and the discussion about the cash considerations really stemmed from the fact that obviously when it comes to Snell or the signing of any additional free agent to come, if there are any more before the season starts for the Yankees, whether it be Snell or somebody else, everybody's always talking about how the Yankees are in that tax bracket where they have passed the threshold where every dollar they spend is taxed on. 110% with the luxury tax and whatnot. And so let's say... You pay him $30 million a year, it's definitely going to be at least $60 million a year because it's all taxed. So it's going to be even more than the contract even says for the Yankees since they have crossed that threshold. So, I mean, that's where, as I've always said the last few episodes, where my trade discussion comes in, where I've wanted Shane Bieber on the team. But nonetheless, people thought that maybe the cash considerations would ease up that discussion. They would still maybe use it towards Blake Snell, possibly. Obviously, nothing has happened as of yet. I do not expect anything to happen going forward. But nothing has happened as of now. So, another roster move there. Matt Crook is now an Oriole, and the Yankees have acquired cash. Cash! How do you like that? Or, how do you like that? From the famous John Sterling. You think I'm Italian enough? Well, and Jordan Groshans as well. Don't want to forget about him. And there was another roster move that took place that we'll get to in a moment, but unfortunately I have to start with more unfortunate news. And you'll see why I start with this first and not just segueing into the next roster move. But it's because one has to do with the other. So, one aspect of this news branches into and has to do with the next roster move. But the next day on Wednesday the 14th, unfortunately... (laughs) What's the number one priority of spring training, guys? Let's all say it in unison. Stay healthy! Yes, that is right. Well, we're already off to a rocky start in that arena. (laughs) Uh, Unfortunately, it's nothing major. At least not yet. But you had to know. It's the Yankees. 
Even if it's minor, it has to begin this way. Come on. Are you new here? I'm not. <laughs> but it doesn't change the fact that it still tempts us to swan dive off of our roofs every now and again. But Wednesday the 14th, Aaron Boone went to the media with some more injury news. Before games even got underway. And before workouts even began. Unbelievable. Well, not unbelievable at all. But he was saying that Jose Trevino actually has a calf strain. And he won't be able to be available for the first couple of weeks of games in spring training. And again, before anything even officially began. <laughs> Just a couple of days after the report date. Put some salt in the wound, I guess. And I know these guys are working out all off-season. I, I know. I, I don't know why some people feel the need to talk to me like I'm four on social media. But nonetheless, I know these people are training all off-season. I'm aware. Well aware. But... It's just the overall mantra of the Yankees, guys. Come on. It's just the idea that not even the workouts had really begun yet. And there's already <laughs> an injury. That's all it is. So, oh boy. It's the optics. What can I tell you? It's absolutely incredible. I, I and Listen, I don't say this to make fun of anyone injured or anything. But come on, you literally couldn't make this up. It's just the same thing. <laughs> The optics are just bad. And after all the excitement from him and everyone else pertaining to him, all the talk about Trevino finally being back and we'll see how big of a role he plays with the primary catching position now when it comes to Austin Wells being in the mix. Now, I definitely believe it should be Austin Wells' job, but in any event, Trevino is still a big piece to the puzzle when it comes to the catching, obviously. Still very respectable defensively and will certainly get plenty of his own starts. But after all the excitement, after missing a huge chunk of 2023 due to his wrist surgery from that torn ligament announced last summer, <laughs> and this happens. Well, let's hope it's just a couple of weeks of spring training, and that's as bad as it gets, I guess. Opening day trajectory is unaffected, at least as of now, so that's the good thing. That's really all that matters at the end of the day. If you have to miss a little bit of spring training, but you still have enough time to ramp up and be ready for opening day, that's what I care about. But... We know how injuries tend to go here. First couple of weeks of spring training turn into all of spring training, which turns into a couple of weeks delay into the regular season, which could end up turning into a setback, which would end up turning into missing the first month, and it just snowballs and snowballs. Doesn't happen all the time, obviously, but let's hope this is as bad as it gets and we can still have Trevi and everybody, as many people as possible for opening day. But there's another person, so having everybody is already impossible. Mr. Scott Efros, we have not heard this name very often at all. That's because since he was acquired at the 2022 trade deadline, probably the finest acquisition of that whole deadline, if I had to say, before the injuries kicked in and we didn't see any of him last year. He got his Tommy John surgery last year, obviously, and he's been working back from it. Well, Boone also decided to hit us with the fact that he had back surgery in December. <laughs> That's not funny. Who knew? Not me, not you, not anyone at all. <laughs> you love it. Listen, we don't have to know everything. 
But that's another guy I was actually looking to get back, and I even mentioned his name alongside the rest of the bullpen arms, and now he could help help out the bullpen and hopefully pick up as much as possible from where he left off when he was thrown and doing a very nice job out of the bullpen. Uh, not right now. Not the case at the moment. It's apparently been a slow ramp up, and he probably won't be ready until the summer. <laughs> so you're down a bullpen guy now with this new information. So that's just great. <laughs> if you were concerned about the pitching, and yeah, Efros is only going to have so much of a big role in the bullpen until he proved that he was really ready after returning from such a big surgery, of course, but could have turned out well, and you could end up having him as a reliable arm out there, but now you're already down one. So if you had some concern about the pitching like I do overall, mostly the starting rotation, obviously, but if you had your concerns, they probably grew at least a tad there with this news because now you're down another arm, at least as of what was expected because if you want to compare it to last year's roster, well, it's a wash because he wasn't here last year either, injured the whole year. But still, unfortunate. Very unfortunate. One of the arms I was looking forward to seeing come back, especially with the brief time that we got to see him in after the trade deadline in 2022. We're going to have to wait some time for him. Sounds like at least until the summer, as they said. Great. Awesome stuff. If the injury news of the offseason ends there, then fine. You could live with it. Especially if Trevino's opening day trajectory remains the same and you have F. Ross, you know, wasn't on the roster last year anyway because he was out the whole time. Still aren't an arm you were relying on though. So nothing major, like I said before, nothing crazy. So you could live with it, but it's still like broke. <laughs> Nothing's even been done yet at the time. There were no workouts. They just reported. <laughs> uh, what can I tell you? So that's the news there with the injuries. And again, if it ends there when it comes to the offseason and with spring training going forward, then I'm cool with it. I'm totally cool with that. And hopefully it lasts longer beyond that too, preferably the whole season and the entire postseason. That'd be lovely. What are the chances of that? Not great, though. What are you going to do? Well, this is where the other roster moves come into play. Like I had said, Kind of has to do with the Efros news, at least. At least with the roster changes. But the Yankees also acquired Clayton Andrews, left-handed pitcher from the Brewers, in exchange for Joshua Quezada. So, another little trade there. Some minor pitching depth. I mean, Quezada at 19, give you some little insight on him, made his pro debut in 2023 with the Dominican Summer League Yankees, and he went 6-0, and a 369 ERA in 11 games, and out of those 11 games are four starts. It's pretty decent there. Clayton Andrews' numbers are not great, obviously just pitching depth, especially considering also the Yankees placed Scott Efros on the 60-day injured list yet again, which clears the 40-man roster spot again. Andrews, 27 years old, my age. That's another arm to the big league roster, obviously. At least the 40-man. He appeared in four games over four stints in Milwaukee last season, allowing 11 runs, 10 of them earned, in three and a third innings. So that's not great, even though it's an extremely small sample size, of course, so you can't delve too much into that. But in the majority of the season that he spent with AAA Nashville, he did go 6-0 with five saves and a 253 ERA 
in 48 appearances, just one start out of those 48. So when it comes to minor league numbers, much better. Obviously, the majors is a very small sample size, so you can only put so much stock into that, but it's certainly not great either way. But we'll see how the Yankees use him. Could be starting in the bigs as depth, could be starting in the minors as depth. Either way, good depth, I guess. You're not going to hear me shine away from anything depth, but you just, you know, you traded a pitcher for a pitcher, so it is what it is, but we'll see what they do when Efros gets back, whenever the hell that may be. If it's the summer, I imagine not at least until June. So, that's that. Some more roster stuff. Some shifting around. Adding Scott F. Ross to the 60-day injured list. That was, you know, added on to all of the other moves happening. That other trade happening with the Brewers on the 14th there. All coinciding with each other. Also on the 14th, <laughs> eventful day. The 14th, which was uh, 11 days ago. So, in the middle of last week. I'm telling you, the vast majority of it last week. Or two, a week and a half ago, the week before this past week. A lot of the news came from there. But you thought we were done with the 14th, didn't you? <laughs> but no, the Yankees actually made a little signing. They actually signed Lou Trevino back on a one-year Major League contract for the 2024 season with a club option for 2025 as well. And you might be saying, oh, he wasn't already still under contract since the Yankees acquired him at the 2022 deadline as well. Well, yeah, Trevino... Trevino and Efros were a couple of solid pickups there, but Trevino was probably the best. If I did say Efros before, then my apologies. Efros is certainly up there, probably the next best, you know, especially considering how bad or injured everybody else was. But And Efros has not turned out to be great since after 2022, obviously since he went down needing Tommy John surgery. He's been non-existent since then. But at the time of acquisition is what I meant. But Trevino, probably the best of all of them, but... Obviously, he's still going through some stuff right now, but the Yankees signed him back. It wasn't a matter of the Yankees haven't gotten rid of him or anything, but if you remember, back in November, they actually non-tendered him. That was the deal. So he wasn't still just hanging here already on the roster, And because I, I did see a lot of people. Some people were saying, oh, I thought he was still under contract. No, he was non-tendered back in November, in case you forgot. It's easy to forget. It's months ago at this point. We all forget things. It's all good. Obviously, he missed all of last year with Tommy John surgery, if you recall. And now, particularly since the Yanks are down F-Ross 2 for now, we'll get a chance to see if Trevino, when he is to return, whenever that may be, could recapture all the good he showed us, too, in the second half of 2022. And I mean, like F-Ross, it's been a while for him. But we'll see what he can do when he can come back. And if the Yanks like, like what they see when he does come back, whenever that may be, it could be possible that he's back for 2025 as well. So that could be another potential bullpen piece. But like I kept on saying, that is when he does come back because we're going to still have to wait a little bit for him since he's still at the end of his recovery or nearing it, at least hopefully. But he was placed on the 60-day injured list like F. Ross was to make room on the roster until he is ready to come back and the Yankees are set to activate him. And there was a little bit more news on Friday the 16th to end the week before this past one. The Yankees made another claim off of waivers, and they were able to add this guy after putting Trevino on the 60-day injured list, placing him back there. But the Yankees claimed right-handed pitcher McKinley Moore from the Phillies. And a little background on him, he's 25 years old, made his Major League debut with Philadelphia last season, 
And in three games, three and a third innings pitched. So again, very small sample size. So don't put too much into this. There's a reason for the bloated ERA. But he posted an 1890 ERA. (laughs) And uh, like I said, three and a third innings. So don't let that get to you too much. Very small sample size. That's why the ERA is so inflated like that. But the right-hander does have a 392 ERA across 118 minor league appearances worth 133 innings. So, doesn't seem like a beyond amazing pickup whatsoever, but more depth. More depth. Listen, they know what they gave up and the fact that they have to stack up on some depth again. And, you know, a lot of these no-name guys, we know what happens to a lot of them when they come in contact with Mr. Matt Blake. We know it tends to happen sometimes, so just trust. Maybe some of these depth pieces, along with the guys we're already comfortable with, will turn out to be some nice pieces here. So that was the final move. McKinley Moore claimed from the Phillies. Lou Trevino moved to the 60-day IL in order to make room for him on the 40. And that's the deal with that, guys. So some more waiver claiming, some minor moves here, some trades, some injury news. Quite a bit of news here. Just a couple of quick things around Major League Baseball, too, just to acknowledge a couple of big things happening, especially pertaining to the Yankees and their past potential relations with these people. That could have happened but didn't. Just a couple of things on Thursday, the 22nd, so just three days ago, it was announced that Gio Urshela, people were wondering if the Yankees were going to reunite with him. A lot of people throwing some ideas around. Well, that, unfortunately for us Gio fans, is not going to take place. It begged the question where he would have even played and what his team role would have been if he, he were here, considering all the Yankees infielders they already have and even the depth that they have. But uh, he signed with the Tigers on a one-year, one-and-a-half-million-dollar contract. So at least for 2024, Gio Urshela is a Tiger. And then on Saturday night, last night on the 24th, finally, seems like finally the stubbornness at least died down on this front, Cody Bellinger finally signed a contract. And after all the nonsense and dragging out and extreme demands and wondering where the hell he's going to sign and for how much, especially given the fact that Yeah, he was great in 2023, but the fact that that was the first season in almost a half a decade that he was even respectable, and him asking for the money that he apparently was and the years, which I don't think anybody would want to take a risk on. I mean, listen, Bellinger's not a bad guy to have on your team, but for what he was asking for, yikes. But at the end of the day, he ended up going back to the Cubs on a three-year, $80 million deal. So that's actually favorable for the Cubs. That's a contract that should be it. Under $30 million a year, average, AAV, only three years, so not too much risk. Obviously, there's always risk because of how much of a brutal baseball player he was for years up until 2023, between 2019 and then, that he could end up regressing again and horribly, might I add, to the point where he was one of the worst players in the entire league. Well, three years is not too big of a risk, not too big of an ask, so it makes sense. So Bellinger is back with the Cubs, and that, my friends is the news for this week. Major League Baseball, Yankees, otherwise, all around. And that just leaves one more fun thing for us to do, as always, and that is the social media segment. Time is flying today. That's what happens when you're having a good time. That is what they say, right? So, social media, open-ended question today. The main topic for today's episode, alongside, obviously, spring training and all the fun Happening yet again as of today. The main overarching idea alongside all of that 
with all the games and the imminent season, is everybody making their hot takes and predictions for said season? With spring training games returning and games being back on our televisions. So predictions and hot takes. Give me all of them. That's basically all there is to it. I have my few here. I'll read them out before getting to yours. And I basically just wanted to hit on certain players that might be shaky for some or had a really bad 2023 season and could be really bold to predict these things in some cases for 2024 or beyond. Well, I'll start with Mr. Carlos Rodon. I want to start with him because he, after all, in my opinion, much of the Yankees' success or failure in 2024 is going to be hinging on this man, especially, as I've said, if this rotation is officially set as is. A lot of the pressure is going to fall on him to be that number two behind Garrett Cole that the Yankees paid him to be an offseason ago. So, my prediction for Carlos Rodon in 2024, however bold, is that Rodon is going to win 15 or more games and have an ERA of 315 or less. Now, a lot of people might say because of the money and because of some of his past legendary seasons, especially striking out 300-some-odd people at times, that this is to be expected of the guy that they signed to be Garrett Cole's number two. And I would agree with you, but we cannot be expecting too much after the travesty of 2023. You must understand this. So to even say this, or even think this, after how absurdly tragic 2023 was for Carlos Rodon is still a very bold prediction, in my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. At least 15 wins and an ERA of 315 or less. Think about that for a second. Full season, it's not easy to get an ERA of 315 or less. I'd say it's pretty impressive for most. Impressive for anybody, really. Especially given what a comeback that would be from 2023. It'd be a complete other side of the scale. Are you kidding me? So, I guess what I'm trying to say is, and I mean, you could attribute this to me just being beyond nervous and just beyond hopeful, because if this doesn't happen, and the complete opposite happens, and we get even close to what was 2023 Carlos Rodon, that the Yankees will crash and burn for the most part, well, it might be part of that, <laughs> I won't deny it, but I am believing in him. I think that he will bounce back hard. And, and if it's possibly even better than this, to be honest with you, he could possibly end up being in competition for comeback player of the year. Wouldn't put it past him. Speaking of potential comeback player of the year, if this is to happen, maybe he would be runner-up for this sort of thing as well, or even the winner. The next biggest thing that's most bold to predict, I'd say, next person is Giancarlo Stanton. The one that I was glazing beyond before and giving beyond credit for the work that he so evidently put in this offseason to completely change his appearance and his body so that he could be more agile, more mobile, more durable. I am predicting that the new and improved Giancarlo Stanton will play at least 145 games and be back to hitting in that process at least 40 home runs. I would hope he would hit at least 40 in all that time in 145 games. And yes, he did have a mostly healthy season somewhat recently, not too recently, but back in 2021, you might recall, he did play 139 games, which was by far the most games he has played since 2018, his first season with the Yankees. 
where he played the vast majority of them, almost all of them, as a matter of fact. Because if you look back to 2018, if you want to look back at the last few years of what Stanton has managed to play or not play the last few years, 2018, he played 158 games, only missed four games that whole year. 2017, when he had his 59 home run season with the Marlins, he played 159 games. So those two years in a row, he just threw his injuries aside. Unfortunately, after that, they came back with a vengeance in 2019 and even in the shortened season until he just decided to go nuts in the 2020 playoffs and make up for that, I guess. But then 2021, bit of a comeback. 139 games, so about 140. It's not bad at all. But then 110 in 2022, and 2022 was not that great a season. The playoffs, he always makes his impact known, but other than that, the season itself. And then 2023, you had the way he performed and the fact that he was only in 101 games while doing it. So it has come back, and he's had enough. And it's evident that he's had had enough because look at the work that he put in. Otherwise, he wouldn't have. So, 145 games at least is not a feat that he has pulled off since 2018, six years ago now. So this is a bold prediction. At least 145 games and at least 40 home runs, which he has also not even pulled off since his 59 home run season in 2017. So these are bold predictions. Even in 2018, when he played 158 games, he had 38 home runs. And in 2021, when he played 139, not bad, had 35 home runs. He has not hit even 40 home runs since his massive home run season in 2017, all those years ago. So those are the predictions I'm putting forth for John Carlos Stanton and even for Judge. And Judge qualifies in the risky category because unfortunately he still has his lingering toe issue that he has said that he could likely have for the rest of his career. So as long as that is existent, unfortunately, so too does it being appropriate that he be placed in the category of hot takes. But I'm still saying that even despite this, because you got to remember in 2023, when he came back, And he got into the swing of things. His average may not have been what it was in 2022 in his historic season. But nonetheless, in the small amount of games that he played, Bro still just missed 40 freaking home runs. And if he's able to be durable and stay out there and be really on top of this toe issue and monitor it well along with the Yankees staff and whatnot, I'm saying right now that he himself plays at least 145 games and he gets back to a sick home run number. I got him at 55 or more home runs in that time span. And I still stick to that even more so if he plays even more games than that. If he's to play 150 games, which I wouldn't be surprised if he plays less than that if the Yankees are being extra careful with him, especially if that happens to flare up at any point, the toe issue. Then I am saying, even more so in the in the sense if he plays 150 plus, he is back to hitting well into the 50s in home runs. Because if you tally up what he would have done in 162 games based off of what he did in the time that he did it in 2023, if you take that over the span of 162, he is almost, in many ways, possibly even matching in some ways, his historic 2022 season. So as long as Judge is out there, that's the key, and that's the key with a lot of these guys. If he's out there, especially in Judge's case, you know what he's capable of, and you know what he's probably going to do. 
And in this case, that's what he will do. And that's what I'm saying he's going to do. So that's my prediction. At least 145 games. I'll say 50 to 55 home runs. We're going to stick strongly to around 55 home runs. 55, period. I'll be stern on this. And hell, the other one I'm saying, even though he was the most valuable Yankee as far as on-field presence the entire year and what he actually did on the field, Mr. Glaber Torres will be the next one for me. Glaber Torres, I think, is going to hit at least 270 to 280 again this year. I'd say at least 275. And I think he will hit, I'll say at least, I'll say 30 home runs. He's probably not going to hit 30, but I'm going to be extra bold and say 30. I'd be more confident in saying 25. But he is going to play a huge role again for this offense, especially amidst all this continued discussion of him possibly being traded or the Yankees letting him go when his time is finally up and it's time for him to hit free agency, which will start to happen next offseason. I think that he's going to be playing his heart out. I do. I think he's going to have another kick-ass season for the Yankees. Last year, I do firmly think that he was the single most important part of the Yankees team, particularly from an offensive standpoint. I mean, you look what he did. He plays in 158 games, 140 in 2022. He's played in the vast majority of the games since he has come up. He's been a big part of this team. 273 average. It's about what I would expect it to be. So that would not surprise me. Like I said, I think 275-ish. So that, that floats around that area. I think he could do that again. 800 OPS, 118 OPS plus. On base percentage of 347. So on base, damn near 35% of the time. That's quite nice. Slugging 453. 25 home runs, 68 RBIs. And yeah, he's only hit the 30 home runs or more. The one time... In 2019, when you could argue, you know, the juice balls and whatnot, he had 38 home runs. But, I mean, who knows? Maybe you could get it done. Like I said, I think 25 is a safer number. But screw it. Shoot for the stars. I think he'll be playing even harder than usual this year. So, put him up to 30 home runs, and I'll have him ranging from, I'd say, like 75 RBIs. Something along those lines. Maybe 80. And everything else being around the same for him. Playing in at least 150, 150 games, I would say. And Soto, well, I expect Soto to kick ass (laughs) this year. Because you want to talk about going into potential free agency and playing your heart out for your money. Soto falls into that arena as well. Because you know that especially with Scott Boris as his agent, likely going to be testing free agency in the offseason next year. Now, I have faith the Yankees could bring him back, and most likely will. But it doesn't change the fact that he's likely still going to be testing free agency regardless. And in order to ensure that he gets all the money that he envisions, that he wants, that he expects, he's going to be playing even harder than he already does this year, especially if he is backed by the electric Yankees fan base and his surrounding teammates. If all goes well, it's going to be wonderful. And that's not even talking about his talent to begin with, just in general. (laughs) Like, that is... I think he's going to have a killer season. I think he'll hit at least 35 home runs. At least. I think he'll hit in the upper 200s, if not 300. He'll easily have 100-plus RBIs, I think. It's going to be fun. 
So those are a few predictions of mine. As far as what the Yankee team could do overall, I'll say I'll say 95 wins because I'm thinking anything in the 94 to 97 range as long as everything doesn't fall apart because obviously if the injuries strike the way they usually do and it comes down like the Hindenburg, then we could be talking about a different story. But nonetheless, 94 to 97 wins, so I'll say 95. I do think the pitching or lack thereof in certain areas and the fact that the Yankees could afford to get another solid starter if they do not. My prediction could change if they do sign another solid reputable starter that could help things out and feel make the rotation feel a little bit more secure. But as of right now with the rotation set as is and the potential to weaken the bullpen a bit if they have to take a big role, I do think the pitching will cost them some wins that they could have otherwise gotten. But I'll stay I'll say 95 wins. They'll finish either right behind or give or take tied with the Orioles. I'll say in second place, get a high wild card spot, go deep into the playoffs. I want to say that they could and will win the pennant, but I just, I don't know. I don't know. I do agree with people saying that the feels around the team are different this year. They feel better just in general, but I... It's been a decade and a half since they've even won a pennant, guys, let alone the World Series. It's just tough. It's tough for me to say. I'm going to (laughs) unfortunately... I hate doing this. I'm going to unfortunately have to say, well, you know what? Not, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to say they actually win the pennant. But the World Series, I still don't know. I'm going to have to say that as long as the rotation is currently set as is right now, and I could end up being wrong and I hope I'm wrong, they could possibly even still not win the pennant and still choke in the playoffs and not make it past the American League. The pitching just just does not, it's still one little step away for me from feeling completely secure. If they got another solid guy for that starting rotation, I'd be all in saying that they're going to win number 28 this year. Honest to God, because I think everywhere else they're ready to kick ass. But I don't know, I'm a little hesitant. I do still think that they could finish in a high wild card spot, second place at the worst, I would hope, because on paper, I think they are easily better than Tampa, even, or even the Blue Jays, or especially the Red Sox. I think the Red Sox are going to finish in last again. But, I mean, Tampa could be debatable. But I think they're better on paper than the Blue Jays. I think they could easily match Tampa. I don't think they're quite what the Orioles are. It's a chance they could finish over them. I don't think it's impossible. I'll go on record saying that right now. I do not think it's impossible. I think it's pretty unlikely, but not impossible. But I do have them finishing behind the Orioles. And as long as the rotation is as it is right now, I'm going to say that they do not win the World Series. Even if they make it there, they won't win, unfortunately. But I think I'm actually going to have them, now that I think about it, I'm sort of revising this one in particular on the fly here. I think I'm unfortunately going to have them losing in the playoffs again. <laughs> I hate to say it, but I think so. I'll say the CS. I'll have them getting far, but I think we're going to have our hearts broken again so long as this is the rotation that they settle with. And hey, listen, they don't have to sign someone or even trade for someone necessarily now. This could also change for me with the trade deadline. 
they could end up trading for someone at that point, and that could have me more confident at that time, depending on where the team is at by then, of course. It'll be three months, three and a half months in, and things could be completely different by then. We know what the baseball season is capable of as far as throwing us completely off and how different things usually are from between then and when the season starts. But my prediction could change at that point, obviously. The trade deadline is a big factor as well, but I'm just talking as of right now. I guess that's what I'll say. So just coming up short of the World Series again, if the rotation stays the way it does, I could be wrong. They could still make it far, even with this rotation. But if they add one more guy, I'm going to be all in, man. I'm going to be all in. If it's a guy that's sustainable enough and good enough, I don't know if Snell's that guy, especially if, you know, especially for what he's asking for. I mean, it's obvious nobody's coming even close to that, so he's going to have to lower it. How long that takes for his stubbornness to die down, we'll see. But, because you have to look at Snell too, guys. You look at him a little bit, like I've mentioned before, he's a high walk guy, throws a lot of pitches, doesn't go deep into games. I think he averages just a tad over five innings a game on average. I think last year he averaged like five and a third or barely five and two-thirds innings pitched every game on average. So it's tough, but obviously he just won the Cy Young Award. He had a great ERA. So he has his good he has his positives and negatives. It's a guy that you get that you feel great about getting on a short-term deal, that's for sure. But certainly nowhere near what he's asking for. I mean, that's crazy. I still have my desired trade for Shane Bieber. That's just not going to happen. I'm not even going to talk about it anymore, really, because it's just not going to happen. If it does, I'll be shocked and overjoyed. And of course, Jordan Montgomery's still out there, who I'd definitely be happy about. I'd be pleased with that for sure, but he's definitely not as potentially high up in a rotation as a Blake Snell or Shane Bieber. But I'd be more than happy with the Montgomery reunion. We'll have to see. Anyway, though, it's getting late early out here. So let us hear some of your predictions and hot takes for 2024. I'm very interested here. I expect a lot of takes that I like, a lot of takes that I'm baffled by, a lot of takes that I'm fully for, whatever the reason may be. But we shall see. Let's get to these replies. First up, we have got at Scarabino Tony says, Until they show they can stay relatively healthy, stop relying too heavily on analytics, put out a consistent batting order instead of changing it daily, I'll say between 88 and 92 wins, and third behind Baltimore and Toronto. Take care of the forementioned, then possibly a division title. Well, like I said before, I think they're definitely better on paper than the Blue Jays. What could end up officially being, well, that's a different story, especially considering the factors of the regular season. But yeah, I agree with some of the stuff. Relatively healthy, at least, has got to be the goal. Complete health is the goal of spring training. Just get through it healthy, for the love of God. That's always number one, first and foremost. But, yeah, I guess relatively healthy is the best you could ask for throughout the regular season because it's it's more or less a guarantee you're going to have at least some injuries. Just try to stay as healthy as possible, please, and have it happen to the people where it's not as big of a deal. Not that you want to have it happen ever to anyone, but if it has to happen... Don't have it happen to the big guys where it would just allow the team to just really make them go completely off the rails. Too heavily on analytics? We had delve into them a good amount, but correctly. Because we've spoken about how it's not so much the analytics themselves that screw the Yankees over. It's how they implement them. 
it's the analytics department needing an overhaul and, and needing new ideas presented to them and new approaches on how to implement these analytics. That's the Yankees' problem. Yes, yeah, certainly have a feel for the game, too. Don't go fully by the computers or what the stats say because there's more factors to baseball than just numbers. It's a big part of it, of course, and you use it for your fact-based evidence and whatnot. But when you're in the game and having a live feel for things as a human being, that's a part of it, too. Gut feelings, using your eyes, the eye test, as they say. So you got to find a balance. And when you do implement the analytics, sometimes to an extreme degree, make sure you're doing it right. You're obviously not always going to get it right. Nobody's always right. But there are some things that are just so blatantly and objectively stupid that anybody who barely even knows baseball could tell you it was a bad decision that the Yankees have tended to do in the past. And you hear them mentioning these nonsensical numbers that mean nothing as reasons for it. So they just need an overhaul as far as the brain trust within the analytics department, as, I, as I've continued to say. And the consistent batting order, yeah, there's, the big parts of the order should be mostly consistent. Obviously, you're going to have your days off. Boone loves his load management crap that I've constantly said I've had an issue with. You're probably going to see more of it this year. It's tough for a leopard to change their spots, obviously, but you're probably going to see more of that, unfortunately. But if it has to happen most of the time, I hope it's done well and sensically, not nonsensically. But yeah, I definitely think a division title is possible. Like I said, a lot of it's going to hinge on the pitching. A lot of it. And Rodon, that's really the guy. It's a lot of it's going to hinge on him if the rotation is as is now going forward. I'm sticking to that. But yeah, division title is possible. Like I said, it's not confirmed in my mind that's definitely the Orioles, but it's took a chance because <laughs> their, uh, their roster is pretty freaking scary, especially after adding even... Corbin Burns, which made matters worse. But up next, we got DJ Nick Papa G says, Trent Grisham has a bigger impact than people might expect. Hell yes, I love that. I love that, especially if outfield injuries, unfortunately, are to take place, which obviously, hopefully they don't. But you're going to see him getting even more looks, and he probably already will get out there. You know you're going to get a solid glove. And he does come through sometimes with those big hits that nobody expects. I mean, you remember, I mean, at least I remember in particular, the Mets and Padres wildcard series at City Field. What a huge role Trent Grisham played in that series. That was really when my first eye got on him, ever. Really had no background or even care about him before that. But ever since then, he, he drew my eye a little bit, even though he's not known for his hitting. But in the big moments, who knows? And he already hit a home run in spring training. Not that that has any value as far as results in the game and whatnot, but it's good to see. And you know bro's happy to be here. Said as much, and it's just a good piece to get back. Solid depth piece, especially alongside Soto, so I would love that. Hell yeah. At CNY Sports Guy says, Whatever the over-under is on Stanton's stolen bases, take the over. I'm down for that. I don't even really know what it is. Actually, let me see if I could see anywhere the projected Giancarlo Stanton numbers for 2024. Are those anywhere? They have to be. Projected 2024 season for Giancarlo Stanton. Yes, I typed that fast. Well, I don't know how many of you like to go by fan grass, but here's what they say. Fangraphs is projecting that Stanton will play in 105 ball games during the 2024 season while hitting 24 home runs, over 455 plate appearances, along with a 776 OPS 
and just a .9 WAR. Expects him to miss 57 ball games. Yeah, if that played out, that would be another colossal disappointment. Obviously, that would be really bad. Nothing here on stolen bases, though. Interesting. But yeah, let me see what this could be. Stolen bases, anything? You know, really, it's probably a low amount. I have to imagine. <laughs> probably none, to be honest. I'm just trying to check more fan graphs here. Oh, here you go. Here you go. Projected. Zips DC and Zips and ATC, the bat, steamer, all these projections. <laughs> I was right. They're all at zero except for steamer has one. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so I guess the over, yeah, so that's easy to say over then because in most cases, if it's one, you're already over. <laughs> so there's that. So, yeah, I'll take that, but it's even more so. If, even if it was, uh, even if it was like five to ten. I'll say you get at least, like, 5 to 10. Especially with his increased mobility, it seems like. I would think so. But, yeah, especially with everyone projecting that low. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because Stanton runs like an 85,000-year-old. Thought I was going to stop at 85. No. Up next, we have At Peace Now for Life. My friend Rebecca says, I think we're in for a fun season. I think the Yankees will win 95 to 100 games, win the division, and finally bring number 28 home. Judge will hit over 50 home runs. Stanton will surprise us all with a great season, and Soto won't want to leave. Well, yeah, if everything like that's going to happen, yeah, I would imagine Soto wouldn't want to. <laughs> but, hey, listen, I don't have mine that crazy. In so I mean, some ways I do. I predicted a 95-win season. I predicted Judge hitting... 55 home runs more strictly, but at least 50. Definitely if he plays in enough games. And Stanton bouncing back nicely. So I did predict most of that, actually. But if that all played out, especially the championship part, are you kidding me? My God. But yeah, I'm really banking in on Stanton, man. I'm one of very few. <laughs> Still defending him a little bit. At Ben Rise King 01 says, Yankees are going to win the World Series. You heard it here first. Well, actually, I heard it from Rebecca first. But no, I'm just kidding. I just happened to read her reply first. But hey, got a couple of World Series predictions back to back. You know I'm not going to have a problem with that. Even if I don't necessarily agree with it, you know I'm not going to dislike that. <laughs> of course I want it. At Baseball Tzar says, 95 wins. Same as me. Soto MVP. Judge 50 home runs. Volpe, 30 stolen bases. Rodon, 225 Ks and 15 wins. AL champions. All right, so at least winning the pennant then. Okay. That'd be their first pennant in as long as their World Series championship. Soto MVP. Interesting. Even over Judge, even if he's to have that 50 home run season. Wow. Yeah, Volpe, I think, steals even more bases, definitely, because he, he already had a crap ton of stolen bases early on last year until that just kind of stalled because he didn't get on base very often, and even when he did, he just stopped stealing as often, so I think it, he could easily hit 30 stolen bases. Easily. I mean, if he stayed on pace from his beginning of season numbers last year at those stolen bases, he would have stolen at least 50, I think. At least. So definitely at least 30. I completely agree with that. Rodon, I said at least 15 wins, 225Ks, I guess I would qualify for that. And I was on the fence about the pennant, so I think we're mostly on the same page, my guy. Not bad. 
At Rachel Chan 222 saying Brett Gardner coming back to win the World Series single handedly. <laughs> I don't think so. At iGolf Do You says Yanks win 100 games. Judge wins MVP and Soto finishes third. Giancarlo wins Comeback Player of the Year and Rodon finishes second. Cole with back to back Cy Young awards. Volpe hits 260 with a 340 on base percentage and is hitting leadoff by June 1st. Love that. I don't have 100 wins, but uh, it's not impossible. If everything falls correctly and the rotation does what it does and it's not as big of a question mark, it's definitely possible, especially considering the offense. Are you kidding me? Judge winning MVP, pretty likely. Soto being up there, could very well be, definitely. Giancarlo and Rodon fighting for the Comeback Player of the Year award. I even mentioned that earlier, so you know I agree with that. Totally on the same page with that. Cole winning back-to-back Cy Young's epic. Definitely completely possible. Volpe, that's a prediction that I did not even make upon thinking about it. People saying Volpe stolen bases, the batting average, and on-base percentage, hitting leadoff. I would love for him to be hitting leadoff, and if his on-base percentage goes up, hell yeah, make it happen. Because, you know, DJ is still a little bit of a wild card, obviously. Not too sure about hitting him leadoff. It might be the best thing to do starting off or... Some people have mentioned Verdugo. Some people have mentioned Glaber Torres again since he had done that and pretty well in the past. And there's Volpe, who would really be the ideal, especially considering how much he was stealing bases at one point. Leadoff hitter's job is to be the table setter, get on base and set up for the big hitters behind him, especially in this case being Soto and Judge. My God, just get on base and set up for them. Got a good chance right away. So if Volpe could get that, and yeah, get on base, more bat-to-ball approach like we've been seeing him work on with his change in swing mechanics that we've seen already early on in spring training here. Bat-to-ball, take your walks, be smart at the plate. No more big swinging on two strikes like we mentioned all the time. Shorten up a bit on two strikes and protect more. Bat-to-ball. Get on base and surely put the kid in the leadoff spot for sure. Could definitely see that happening. I hope it does. Get that batting average up. Get the on-base percentage up. That's the most important thing, in my opinion. That could surely happen. And with him hopefully taking that next step forward, another year of experience in the big leagues as his development continues, I definitely don't think 260 is beyond reason. As a matter of fact, I think it's very possible. So very nice there. Love a lot of that. My God, a lot of optimism. At Christian underscore NYYST says, this is for the rest of the American League. And he replied below with a gif of Mr. T playing Clubber Lang in Rocky 3, one of my favorite movies ever. Rocky 1, of course, being my favorite movie ever. But of course, the famous Mr. T Clubber Lang line saying, Pain. <laughs> Pain. <laughs> Good reference there, Christian. I had to get that clip. You know I couldn't let that pass. Rocky? Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. Well, listen, that's probably my favorite reply. Just got to be honest. <laughs> At Cashman Sucks NYY is up next saying Rodon bounces back with a 373 ERA. Well, I'd need it to be a bit better than that, but yeah, I guess basically much of anything would be an improvement over 2023. <laughs> so yeah, I guess it's a bounce back, but I'm going to need a little better than that. At Laura underscore Icemont, Laura says, Volpe hits 30 home runs. I love that. Well, you know he could hit at least 20. So another step forward. He could run into a few more. 
Who knows? I think he still hits around 20. I think that's a good number for him. I just want more of a bat-on-ball approach, man. Get on base. Be that leadoff hitter that we all know you could be for the next friggin' 15 to 20 years. My buddy Spencer, at Musician DMD says, Feels like a 95-win season. Judge, 45 home runs. Another MVP-worthy season. Giancarlo will rebound, 245, 25 home runs. Soto will not disappoint at all, 300 average with 30 home runs. Cole, all-star selection, flirting with 20 wins. Yeah, 20 wins. Could have easily had that if not for the offense last year. Stroman and Rodon, 12 to 15 wins each. Bold prediction, Clark Schmidt will pitch a no-hitter. Yankees win the AL East. Very interesting. No, a no-hitter by Schmidt would be wild. What the hell? <laughs> like, that'd be crazy. Yeah, as far as the others, Judge, 45 home runs, you're reasonable. Giancarlo, 25. <laughs> I might have put a little too much confidence in 25 home runs. People, I'm, I'm just going way overboard. I am just cards all in on Stanton, I guess. I don't know. I, I see the changes he made, and I'm feeling the determination. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, the rest, I don't have a problem with any of that. At RipNYY2023 says, Yankees win 87 games, third place, final wild card. That would be ass. <laughs> Considering the expectations, I mean, it's not completely unrealistic, especially if the entire team gets hurt again and everything just comes crashing down and they play as miserably without as without any fire like they did last year. It's not impossible, but yeah, especially given the expectations and what's on paper right now, with the improvements they made, especially with the offense, with Soto and all the depth they got and adding Stroman to the rotation, even though they could afford to get another one. Yeah, that'd be a big disappointment. At JMVGD56John says, Marcus Stroman has a huge year. We like huge years around here. Not opposed to that. At Macropolitics says, Yankees win 94 games and finish in second place to the O's. That floats around what I'm predicting. I, I think that's a solid, realistic prediction right there. We'll see if it comes out any differently. At Dell Space Franco says 92 and 70 wild card. That'd be a bit of a letdown. A couple, a couple less wins than I was predicting. I guess I said 94 to 97, settling on 95. But yeah, I don't know. I guess it's not outrageous, but I would expect a few more than that. I guess. Tina at Mountain Gal 456 says, We're in for a great season, Mike. Yankees going to have 100 wins. I like that number. We like triple digits. All right, final two. Let us finish this off. First up, my girlfriend at Vic Salimo says, I think this will be the season where Stanton locks it down and carries through healthy, having a kick-ass season. Judge will hit over 50 home runs, and between them two and Soto in the mix, they'll be the three powerhouses. I think we could win the division, but not too sure yet about the World Series. Hell yeah! World Series I'll be in on if any other starter is added, either now or at the trade deadline, depending on where the team is at, like I said. But as far as the other things, hell yeah. All in on Stanton after all the changes he has made. Trying to trust in the boys here. I'm trusting, putting in the trust. Don't betray me, Stanton. Of course, now it's going to go the complete other way. But <laughs> Judge with 50 home runs, at least 50, banking on it. Them being the three powerhouses, hell yeah. But Stanton's going to have to bat a little lower in the lineup, in my opinion, until he proves that he could be moved back up. Don't sleep on any of the others, though. 
Maybe DJ could bounce back. Who knows? It's possible. If Rizzo's healthy, I think we're going to see the Rizzo that we saw the first two months of last year getting ready for a potential career freaking year, even at his age. So if he is really as healthy as they are saying and he is saying that he is, look out for Rizzo too. And Glaber. Glaber. You can't forget about Glaber. I know some people don't like him, but I mean, whether you like it or not, he had a great 2023 season. I'm sorry. And he was the only reliable one out there. I'm not crapping on Judge, but Judge missed a chunk of the season. Glaber was out there the whole time doing his thing. So, don't sleep on Glaber too. We'll see what Verdugo does. We'll see how much use he makes with the short porch. Could add some additional power numbers to his line. There's a lot of interesting things that could happen here, guys. Volpe taking another step. Austin Wells taking more steps in his development. All the depth pieces. Trent Grisham, like a few replies ago, said. Could be real exciting. Let's finish off with my mom, as always, Julia Gina Scudero, and she says, Hey, Mike. Hi, Mom. My prediction for this season so far is predicated on what I'm seeing so far in spring training. I like what I see. The hitting seems phenomenal. Last year, no one could hit. I still feel like we need a little bit more pitching, but if our lineup hits this season as they have this past weekend, I'm feeling we'll be way better than last year. We'll definitely be far over 500 this year. Let's hope. Praying they don't implode again like last year. By the way, still don't miss Donaldson. Let's go, Yanks. <laughs> Neither do I. But anyway, yeah, I don't put too much stock into spring training. Obviously, because spring training spring training. It could get you a bit of a preview as to what to expect. But regular season begins, of course, and you know things could just completely change. Happens a lot. So I wouldn't put too much stock into it, but yeah, it certainly helps us see what the hitters are doing. Very nice to see. Not going to be something you scoff at, but not too much, not something you put too much stock into either. The pitching, yeah, that's where my concern lies, as we know. I don't have to repeat myself with that, but yeah, they've got to be well over 500, especially what's on paper and the improvements that they did make. Got to be. That does it, guys. All of our predictions, firing them off like we do every year. I love the predictions episode. Have so much fun with that. Putting our takes out on the line. End up looking very smart or very stupid, maybe somewhere in between. (laughs) We'll see. That's the fun of it, right? Speaking of fun, what a fun episode. Hope you guys had as much fun listening to it as I had doing it. A lot of audio clips in here, a lot of sound effects. That's what we like here. It is only appropriate to have this much fun when baseball is back on our televisions and back in our lives, isn't it? I'm so glad that 210, episode 210, can you believe we're here this far already? This far. 210. Wild. And I'm glad that episode 210 could be the one to introduce this much fun to us as spring training has returned. But as of now, guys, about an hour and 40 minutes later, of listening to my crazy-ass yap on here. You could say I'm fluent in Japanese. That is my specialty. That is all for episode 210 of Yapping Yankees Today. Remember, if you don't already, follow me on all social medias, guys. Facebook fan page, Mike Scudero NY. My Twitter, or X, is at Mike Scudero. Instagram, MikeScuds97. Subscribe to Yapping Yankees across all four of the platforms it is available on if you have not already. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And show your love across all four of them like you all always do such a great job at doing, my friends. 
And if you have the time, if you missed any Yapping Yankees episodes, and you'd like to listen back to them, or even if you want to just listen back to a past episode for the hell of it, because you like Yapping Yankees so much, which I very much appreciate, do not fret, don't panic, relax. Episodes 34 all the way up to episode 210 today. You could find all those on YouTube and every single Yapping Yankees episode going all the way back to episode 1 almost 5 years ago up to today. Those are all available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Once again, though, I thank you 3,000 for listening to me yap today. As always, my good friends, I have been your host, Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday. Good to be saying that again. Back to weekly. Next Sunday, March 3rd, when I come at you with episode 211 of Yapping Yankees. But until then, guys, hang in there. Be patient. Stay safe. Look out for your loved ones. Go ahead and kick life's ass this week, as always. And hey, what else can I say? other than the big overarching theme of these days and this episode. Go out there and just enjoy baseball being back on your television, just as I have and will continue to do. And we'll be back here every week continuing to talk about it. I already can't wait to be back in front of this microphone next week yapping away with you about our Yankees. But until then, as always, take care and let's go Yanks. Yanks.